It is now time to experience the buzz. A podcast that takes an inside look at amazing people doing amazing things. Get ready for some great conversation that will be fascinating, educational, and inspiring. We will also leave room to help small businesses in a big way. Now, here's your host, entrepreneur Steve Buzzard. Hello, everyone, and welcome. It is another edition of Experience the Buzz. So raise your hand if you're in disbelief that it's already the month of August. Yep, my hand's up. Hard to believe that for some schools, they're back in session and very excited to see our kids go back to school and seeing, of course, all those first day of school photos on social media. Speaking of the youth, today on Experience the Buzz, I present to you Mitchell Euchre. High school senior, Christian Brothers High School, who embraced an amazing opportunity called Listening Across America. And you are in for a real treat. Can't wait to share with you. But as always, let's get to it. It's time for What's the Buzz? Well, as we always do, we like to highlight some more episodes. We're now over 50, going on episode number 51. And uh, here's a few that I know you'll want to add to your podcast menu if you haven't listened to them already, or maybe you want to get a second time around. And this week's theme is music and sports. In episodes 9 and 10, I had amazing conversations with young musical talents and my nephew, PJ Simus and John Hamilton. PJ is a self-made musician who has released multiple albums, while John is a big-time DJ in New York who has now created a space for aspiring youth called Department of Sound. And for those of you who love sports, check out episode 19 with the Sacramento Bee's Joe Davidson. He has been the voice of high school sports in Sacramento. Great conversation there. And then you can get to episode 23, which was a very entertaining episode as I got to speak with the Sutherland brothers, Kevin and David. Of course, both live in their world of the game of golf. So check out those episodes on Experience the Buzz. Again, it's number nine, PJ Simus, number 10, John Hamilton, number 19, Joe Davidson, and number 23, Kevin and David Sutherland. And that's What's the Buzz. So let's go ahead and find out about today's talking story, episode number 51. I wish there were more high schoolers like Mitchell Euchre. This high school senior from Christian Brothers decided to take his love for seeing the country and his love for government and put it together in a listening tour called Listening Across America. For a little over a month, he, along with family members for portions of the trip, will have traveled through 25 states and amassed almost 7,000 miles. But Mitchell took it a step further. He made stops, and on those stops, he would hit various locations and set up shop with a sign, a sign that invited people to be heard, to tell their story, to talk about what they loved about the country and the things that worried them the most. And for Mitchell, all he did was listen and record these amazing responses from people who represented the diversity of the United States. And today, we catch up with Mitchell to find out about his amazing journey listening across America. So let's get to it. It's today's Talking Story, Episode 51. It's Mitchell Euchre. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome into Experience the Buzz. My name is Steve Buzzard. So glad you can join us. I want to mention that our 
house sponsor. Our, our title sponsor is House Real Estate. That's right. I'm calling them the house sponsor, uh, but they are the sponsor of this podcast, House Real Estate, along with R5 Stitch and Print, Pit Boss Jerky, Little Whale Swim School, and of course, Matt the Mortgage Guy. I mentioned them up front because they represent small businesses. They represent what this show is all about. And I am very excited to bring you episode number 51, which features the youngest person to come on the show. That's right. How young? Well, senior in high school at Christian Brothers High School, I am talking about Mitchell Euchre. And why wouldn't we be talking about Mitchell Euchre outside of just his greatness alone? Well, he's doing something pretty special. It's called Listening Across America. And uh, he is going to be able to tell us all about this great program that uh, he basically has embarked upon. And it's very unique. I was thinking about myself as a senior, and I don't even think I would have been able to come up with this idea. But before we dive in, let's welcome him. Mitchell Euchre, welcome to Experience the Buzz. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. It's great to have you. And so I always like to start with our connection. I'll let you explain what our connection is, how we know each other. So uh, Mr. Buzzer here was obviously a a big factor at St. Michael's Fiscal Day School, where I attended from kindergarten to fifth grade. And so that was the link immediately. I remember all sorts of uh, kids' chapels being run through you and, of course, PE classes. Um, And so, yeah, that was the immediate connection. But then even beyond that, um, my mom ran all sorts of uh, auction programs and stuff like that. And so there was continued involvement. Yeah, And just being in Sacramento, it's, it's a name you hear. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you do hear it quite a bit, which is a good thing. And I that's what I love about this podcast and and why it's kind of that's what the theme is all about. It's like we just, you know, I just believe we have many amazing people right here in Sacramento. But what you have done is you've expanded it. You expanded it on this unique idea. And, uh, you know, we talk about listening to America. So first and foremost, why don't you just explain to the audience what it is and how you came across it and how you decided to do this big thing? So uh, listening across America is something I've started in the last few months. Really, the idea has shown up in the last few months. And uh, I've been doing the project for about a month now. And I'm driving, or I have been driving, for from Sacramento all the way to the Atlantic, all the way to New York City, and then back. And uh, that had always been a dream of mine since I was a little kid, was to drive across country and see everything and see everyone. But uh, what I really wanted was to experience what people thought along the way. Because we hear a lot from... You know, media, we hear the right, we hear the left, we hear LA, we hear New York, we hear all of this stuff from, you know, big corporate companies and all this, but we don't hear about the little guy. And so what better way than to drive and just ask people to talk? Um, So Listening Across America is a compilation and collection of interviews um, where I ask people if they feel represented or not in America, ask them about problems that they see that aren't talked about. And I kind of just go out and listen. I call it a listening tour. Um, because it's like I'm on tour as a band, except I'm listening to people instead of them listening to me. Wow. How fascinating. So when did that dream sprout for you? Like you said, as a little kid, you always dreamed about going across America, but here you were able to tag it into something that is very relatable to obviously what we're going through. You mentioned all the left, the right, the middle, the up, the down, you know? And so I think it's very cool that you were able to kind of piece this together. So when did the actual idea of saying, okay, listening across America, which I imagine, is that the name you gave it? Yeah. That's, that's name nice. I gave it. Okay. I love that. Mm-hmm. So how, how did that all come about? Um, so I had always been a kid with a uh, passion for government and history. Uh, you taught me in the PE where it didn't show up quite as much, but, um, 
uh, every classroom I ever went in, I was always really anything to politics. It was always my interest. It was always what I read about, what I'd studied. And like, um, what I kept finding was people from both sides dominating almost every narrative. You know, it said winners write the history books and it's true. Like we hear from people kind of at the top and we don't hear from the little guy that much. And so that was the inspiration for the interview portion. The inspiration for the driving component um, was the fact that I've already sort of done the road trip before. While I was still at St. Michael's, um, my family drove to the Cleveland Clinic because that's where my little brother had his brain surgery. Um, so I don't know if you remember that, but I was not I there do. for about a, about a month Yeah, uh, because who doesn't want to drive to Cleveland in January? Um, but, you know, it's uh, doing that when I was only about, I, know, I was about 10 or 11. It just made me want to do it again um, because I love driving through and, and seeing it all. So the there was sort of the separate inspiration for the driving itself, something I'd always dreamed about, always wanted to do. And then it was like, how can I make this? sort of tie into what I've really wanted to learn, which is what do people really think beyond what's printed and what's shown immediately? And I think that's so cool that you were able to, again, recognize that as a young man. So as a senior, what, you're like 17, right? Is that about the- the I'll be 17 in a month. Okay, 17 in a month, you're driving. So, you know, planning out something like this, you know, it's it's no easy task, right? I know you had the help- of mom and dad, but talk about the planning stages uh, of putting this all together. I, m- I imagine it had to be kind of massive in a way. It definitely was. Um, the planning stages when it came to a route was really, really exciting and fun. Um, I did most of the drive in terms of just miles with my dad. Um, and my dad and I got to go through Montana. Um, we got to plan all of it out. My dad's from Wisconsin. We got to go there. Um, he came all the way to Ohio with me. And, you know, it's, that was really exciting to be able to plan out the driving and really stressful at the same time. So I've been accompanied by various family members throughout, and then I've stayed at uh, family friends' houses as well. So obviously cost is a factor. Um, This is all self-funded. I paid for all this myself. And, um, and so when it came to planning, like getting the interviews was sort of an immediate easy plan. Um, I figured go to the coffee shop with a sign. That's what I've been doing. Go ask people uh, because I've always thought that people have a natural desire to share what they think yeah. that people kind of have this innate, you know, willingness to share their story. Um, it's why we have stories to begin with. And so, um, but the, the drive itself planning that was really fun and stressful. And it just got to a point where I said, I'm going to hit as many things as I can. that are important. And so I've got tons of stories of, of important. Oh, I can't wait. No, we're gonna we're gonna devote a whole segment to that because that's okay. kind of the bulk of all this, but all the preparation into I think is very mm-hmm. important that people understand just in terms of how you like came to this. And so, like you said, you worked for the money that obviously would take care of any funding, which would include gas, uh, any yes. lodging, like you said, I'm sure you imagine, you know, Hey, let me try to stay with as many friends or family members that I can. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there were some hotel stops along the way. And I also love the fact that you put in your press release too, that you traveled with different members. That was kind of cool. So it wasn't like a whole trip with dad. It's like you had a portion mm-hmm. with dad. You had a portion with mom, who I believe you're with right now. And yeah, yeah I am. Back, tell everybody where you're at exactly right at this point. So I'm nearing the end. I'll be home by the end of this week. And uh, I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona. I just got in today after driving about 400 miles from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Nice. Um, And yeah, just got in. Um, 
it's interesting to be at this elevation. I didn't realize Arizona was so high up in the mountains up in the north there, northern Arizona. But um, yeah, it's been it's been quite the quite the journey. Okay, so he's in Flagstaff, Arizona, on his mm-hmm. way back. And so, like we said, this is a I think a great timing piece because he will have the stories to share with us here on Experience of Us, which I'm really excited about. So he's he's on that tail end. Uh, so, like you said, like you you are you're traveling with different ti- uh, family members. How did that go? You said you started with your dad, and I believe your grandfather, uh, then jumped in on a piece of the uh, yes the trip. So, um, kind of the important part about where I had family members joining me was, um, more about them was equally about them as it was me. So, um, going with my dad for the first part just seemed really logical. My dad's a bit of an outdoorsman and going to Montana with him, being able to hike with him and then going through that, going through the Midwest because he's a Midwestern was just sort of made sense. Um, and so it was really fun. Um, we got to do all sorts of stuff between California and Ohio. And that was wonderful. And then, um, I went to the East coast by myself, actually. Um, staying with family friends along the way so that I wasn't, you know, just sitting in a hotel room by myself, which is not exactly, uh, I think it's illegal, but, um, (laughs) uh, and then, uh, and then in DC, my grandfather met me and my grandpa is a, he's a Bay area guy through and through. Um, he's from, you know, Castro Valley, just outside Oakland. And he had never really seen the American South. And so we didn't go through what most people would consider the deep South, but going through Virginia and Tennessee, Arkansas, and a little bit into Oklahoma was um, was really interesting for him because it was a really new experience for me, just as much just as much as it was for him. And we're very close; we go on all sorts of camping trips together. Um, but to have that shared new experience was really fun. Okay, cool. And then you're going to finish out with mom. Is that how it's going to work? Um, not quite. So in Oklahoma, I met my grandma. Oh, grandma. And, okay, great. Uh, my grandma's actually from Oklahoma. So born nice. in Tahlequah, Oklahoma on the Cherokee Nation there. And um, so I got to sort of understand parts of the family that are far away because I have a lot of family in California or in the Midwest who I see kind of often, but I've never reconnected with my grandma's uh, Oklahoma roots. So she is Cherokee born on the reservation there or the Cherokee Nation land there. Yeah. And to kind of go around and see that and see what life is like there was was really fun with her. Very cool. And then, so this last piece then is with your mom going yes. back to California. Yeah. She, oh. uh, she gets to do the desert a little bit. With okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Hey, mom, you know, mom, mom, she doesn't care where you're at. If you're in Alaska where she's going to be with you. Right. So it's like, Mitchell, you just say the word and, uh, she'll be there. So let's just kind of recap. We've got Mitchell Euchre with her, with us. He is a senior at Christian Brothers High School and he put this program together himself. Uh, so it's not anything that's like nationwide or through California. It's called listening to America. And you've heard him kind of give us the outset of what it is. And so kind of the last piece before we kind of put together this first segment is, do you remember now what your route was like the States that you went through? Is that like in your mind? No problem. You can recap that pretty well. Yeah, uh, I could list off the states right now. It's let's um, do it. So you started obviously in California. Where'd we go? Yeah, from I got California, Nevada, Idaho, Montana, or Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, um, Maryland, Delaware. Um, 
DC, which isn't a state, but yep, yeah, you know, some people wish it was. Uh, Virginia, <laughs> um, Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, and that's so far. Oh, Arizona, and then that that's it. I'm back in California after this. Yeah, hey, Nevada and California. I got 24, 25 right in there. Yeah, roughly like, half. Yeah. So you roughly have seen half of America. And I know there are thousands of people, including myself, that would say, that's bucket list right there. You know, that's not a bad yeah. deal. And I'm, I'm curious about how many miles have been logged. Have you got that tally? The total trip is 7,000. And I think I'm about 6,100 down, maybe, maybe about 6,000 down. Oh my gosh. Okay. And and how are you feeling? Like, just like, what's your overall feeling right now at this point, knowing that you're at the tail end and you had this great experience? Um, tired. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. Um, yeah. not only doing the driving itself is obviously kind of exhausting, but the interviews going out and seeking out people and having to kind of put yourself out there repeatedly, repeatedly yeah. is something I'm, I'm not the most extroverted person in the world. So it was a bit interesting. It was a bit difficult for me at first. And it continues to be a little bit so, but um, it was, I'm very tired, but also kind of in awe. It's been a month. Um, today's August 4th and I left on July 5th. So it's been wow. just under a month. Okay. And um, it feels like a lot longer. There's just been yeah. so much <laughs> along the way that when, when you drive like this, there's no wasted days. There's no day sitting at home. There's no Saturday that just kind of winds by. Um my days that just wind by where I don't do much, I've traveled 400 miles. Right. Like it's, um, it's just a very different way of, of living. And therefore I'm tired and also very much kind of, uh, in appreciation of, of where I've come. Yeah. Absolutely. I got to imagine that's the biggest thing is the biggest takeaway is the appreciation of being able to not only think this idea, but to put it into action and then actually just do it. And then, like you said, just have that appreciation for the fact that you just have this experience that you will have with you for the rest of your life. And that's that's a pretty cool deal. Like I said, I never would have thought of this as a senior. And I, too, went to Christian Brothers High School. So, Mitchell, I definitely applaud you. So this is just the opening segment, people. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dive in. That's right. We're going to find out about these stories that Mitchell was able to get, which is perfect for this show because we call this the talking story. Uh, These talking stories that Mitchell had, I think you are really going to enjoy. And, you know, when Mitchell says the little guy, I mean, it's just basically – It's your mom and pops. It's your grandma and grandpa. It's the average Joe that represents what the United States of America is all about. And I have to imagine the stories are different from many parts of this country. So we will take our first break and come back with segment number two as we talk more with a young man named Mitchell Euchre. Again, the program Listening to America. And we'll also give you that information in which you can tag in and see how Mitchell did as he recorded what he did. So we'll take a break. Again, a big thanks to our sponsors. You're going to hear from a couple of them right here in this break. And we'll be back with segment two right here on Experience the Bus. House Real Estate is the title sponsor of Experience the Buzz. Tim Collum and his team are ready to bring you the best home buying and home selling experience in the greater Sacramento area. Formed in October of 2020, House Real Estate focuses on you, the customer, to ensure that your experience is seamless with the goal of getting you to the finish line. A big thank you to House Real Estate and visit their website today at houserealestate.com. Little Whale Swim School is the premier swim school in the greater Sacramento area. 
Located at 4106 El Camino Avenue in Carmichael, owner Anya Hall brings over 40 years of experience to the swimming pool. Classes start for kids as young as two months old, and for $90 a month, you get swim lessons once a week, year-round. All of this with an amazing staff inside a custom-built indoor swim facility. Book your class now by visiting littlewhaleswim.com. Little Whale can also be found on Facebook and Instagram under, yeah, you guessed it, Little Whale Swim. Welcome aboard Little Whale Swim School. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode of Experience the Buzz by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. It means everything. Now, back to the show. Well, it reads in his uh, release that was actually put out before he decided to embark upon this journey. It says 16-year-old Mitchell Euchre, a high school senior at Christian Brothers, will invite random strangers to have conversations with him about topics such as politics, race, and religion. I can't think of a better project. And again, my apologies. I was calling it listening to America. It's listening across America, which make would make a lot of sense. This is an almost 7,000 mile journey in which we are joining Mitchell right now in Flagstaff, Arizona. He's on his way back, just under a thousand miles shy of getting back to Sacramento. He described in the first segment, he's tired admittedly, but has a great appreciation for this great journey he was able to take. So the obvious question is about those stories. So Your first stop, what was your first stop? And tell us about that experience of, like you said, you're kind of an introvert. So you're like, okay, I got to go out there. What was it like? Was it something you had planned or something where you went out with the sign? Um, This one was actually less going out with a sign and just asking someone. So this one was in Yellowstone National Park. Um, uh, This trip has been through a number of national parks, but uh, Yellowstone was spectacular, but interviewing someone who worked there. That was the first one. And funny enough, it was someone from California. So I was sort of jumping back to where I'd come from. But um, yeah, so someone working seasonally at the uh, at the park and their perspective as a former teacher. That was the first one. And that was a really interesting one. It's It's been a common theme. Uh, former teachers are someone who just seems like talking to kids. Really? Um, that's so that, that's been probably, that's been the most common profession, actually. Okay. So what's the approach though? Like, how do you approach people? What's your kind of your line that you go with to kind of open this thing up, this conversation? Because this is not going to be, hey, how you doing? It's going to be a little bit deeper. And do you have the time to talk about, you know, talk about with me certain topics? Well, the topics are not um, sort of explicitly mentioned. It's it, The questions are very open-ended on purpose. So they're asking people whether they feel represented or not and what some problems are or solutions are that they want to see implemented or addressed. Um so when it comes to approaching people, uh, the sign is a very common way. I tell people that I'm doing a cross-country listening tour, come talk. Sometimes I ask them if they feel heard in America. It kind of depends where I am because different areas will want different things, will, will likely contain different um, hopes and aspirations for people. And then the same thing is true with um, who I'm approaching. So an example is while I'm in D.C., uh, a guy was carrying around a sign. There's a picture of him on my social media carrying around I a sign that. talking about, um, yeah, a guy named Charlie. It was just really, really awesome. But uh carrying around a sign talking about, um, you know, tax cuts and tax dodging within Congress and sort of his uh, perspective on that. And so going up to him was very much like, hey, you seem like you already want to have your message heard. Um, Whereas, you know, I'm in a small diner in Sparta, Wisconsin, tiny little town just outside or a ways outside La Crosse. And uh, that's very different. 
it's very much like, Hey, would you like to talk? And it's people who aren't used to being asked that question. Right. Um, and so that was, um, there, it, it's very different depending on where I am, but the results have been pretty good. Mo- for the most part, places have been fairly open to it. Okay. So you mentioned like 24, 25 states that you went through. Did you have 24, 25 conversations? Was it more? Was it less? How did that work? Right now, I think the number is around that. Yeah. Um, is around 24 or so. Okay. So you tried um, to they get were representation not, from like kind of each state that you were visiting, correct? Not directly. It's okay. a little difficult in somewhere like, you know, I, I listed some states there that really I, I drove through. I didn't. Drove through. Um, Got it. Yeah. So I was in, you know, Delaware for probably 20 minutes. It's not a big As state. As we know, Delaware is a little state. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, uh, and in other places, it was difficult to find people who were from that place. So uh, I went to New York and it was really hard finding New Yorkers who wanted to talk to me. Interesting. Now there's, the, there's a stereotype of New Yorkers being sort of uh, rude, but um, it wasn't as much that as it was people from other places being more anxious to talk. So then it, it was interesting to go to New York and get California perspective and Boston perspectives and stuff like that. Um, so it, it's hard to get that sort of um, even representation when you look on a map, but getting that even representation in terms of perspective, I think has been pretty, um, pretty good so far. Well, let's do it this way, you know, maybe ask like kind of what were some of the interesting takeaways that you got from conversations that you could share with us that would help give us perspective, maybe something you heard from somebody where you're like, wow, didn't realize that because I have to imagine for you, like uh, your eyes had to be opened as you were having these conversations across America. Yeah. Um, right now that's all I've been doing is keep my eyes open and just, like I said, it's a listening tool. All I do is listen. Um, and there's been a couple key themes that have shown up repeatedly. Um, people across the board, like I said, there were a lot of former teachers who talked to me and a lot of people are not happy with education today. Um, that's been a key theme that has shown up again and again. It's a big issue for people. And I feel like it's not something we talk about very often on a national stage or even on a local stage. It's not something that we see as a huge issue all the time, but to most people, it is a really, really important topic. And so that that's been recurring. And then also, um, mistrust people do not trust institutions like they used to. Um, it's been a lot of older people saying exactly that, that people don't trust these institutions the same way they used to. And younger people saying, why would I trust these institutions? Um, that being media, government, things like that, especially media, that's been a really common one um, from both sides of the aisle. People saying um, they don't trust what they what they read or see. And very powerful, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because for me, you know, I studied journalism. So seeing what I have seen in the current landscape of things is very tough because as I've shared with many people, when I was in school, the journalism school at USC, uh, I just remember the number one rule was, is you always checked your sources before you put out any story. And, and mm-hmm. guess what? There was no argument with that. Like if you didn't have both sides of the story, guess what? Story didn't go out. You weren't allowed to because you weren't a columnist. You weren't a person that was allowed to give their opinion. You had to report facts. And I just feel like that has gone out the window uh, without anybody knowing facts. I've seen it personally. And it's just like, it kind of drives you crazy. And it's hard because um, it kind of gives the business, which I think is a great business. It just gives it a bad name. So that's very interesting you bring up, which I'm not surprised to hear. But when you start talking about common themes, 
I am a little surprised because you often wonder what both sides do think. So what you're saying mm-hmm. is it didn't matter which side it was. Everyone's kind of thinking the same thing for different reasons. Yeah, different reasons for sure. Um, and different sort of solutions to similar problems. That's been a really key theme, is uh, especially the education one as well. People identifying similar problems, saying this doesn't work the way it is and disagreeing completely on how we fix it. Um, that's been a, a consistent one with those kind of issues. And so, um, yeah, I was not surprised to hear the media one, but I still was surprised by how frequent it was because it feels like it's one out of every three interviews. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really a common theme. Okay. So as you've heard that, obviously being a senior in high school, what, what did that do for you with, you know, your own views of, you know, just being a student, you're not even outside the education system. You're actually in the education system. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, See, I now guess, you don't have to listen. You actually get to talk about it. <laughs> it's, it's strange. I haven't, I haven't done this in a while, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's been a bit, um, it makes me grateful for the, the school I'm in, to be honest. Um, this isn't an absolute pitch for Christian brothers. Uh, although I do, I do enjoy my school, but, um, it's made me grateful for the education I've had in the past and currently have, because I feel like I have not had, um, some of these problems that people describe, um, my education has not been perfect. There's been, you know, bumps along the way. Um, I've switched schools multiple times, but, um, it's not, it's still not as bad as a lot of people described, at least in my experience. And obviously my experience is my own only. And this tour is about listening to other people's experiences. Right. So it's made me grateful, um, for sure that my parents have been able to provide me with a lot of this education and that I have been able to experience it. Right. And I think when we talk about journeys too, it's interesting with education. I I think the old way of thinking was, and and not even as a parent, but it was always, you know, you went to one elementary school, you went to one junior high, you went to one high school, and maybe occasionally you did a switch in between. But see, I think that's that's different now. I, I think you really have to be in a place or an environment as an individual uh, in which you can excel, in which you feel safe, um, in which you feel empowered. And I think when I used to think when kids left school that there was a problem. And what I quickly realized is like, you know what? No, that's not the case. It's just sometimes a place is not the right fit depending on what your journey is. And no one mm-hmm. knows truly like what the story is. Like you mentioned your brother, your brother's been through a lot. You traveled to Cleveland for him to have brain surgery. Okay. So that was yeah. a big deal. So that's what I'm talking about is that we each have these own layers where things are going to change for us for a reason. And we have to realize that that is okay. It's not a bad thing. If you switch around a lot, it's happened to my son. He has gone to probably, I don't know, eight or nine different schools, but you know what my common theme for him is? Listen, if you're a good human being, that's all I care about. I don't care how you get there, just get there, right? You know what I'm saying? And so you must feel that way. And I know a lot of kids need to hear that message because when you get this kind of switch thing, I think, I don't know, I I feel like uh, the narrative, if you want to say, is that it's negative and it's definitely not that. Yeah, I think you're definitely right in that um, as long as you get to the, the finish line, there's no real, right. Uh, right. There's no real problem. But o- also another factor is um, factoring in more choice in the schools because, you know, 
like I said, people are identifying the same problems, disagree on solutions. Why don't you give them multiple choices as to the schools that they go to? So why don't we diversify our education a little more? You know, I hear, I hear about things like Montessori schools, stuff like that. A lot of people love those. A lot of people don't like those. Right. And so to provide this kind of option for people, whether it be in public schools, whether it be both in public schools and in private schools to, you know, just create more options, I think provides um, more potential good fits for students. Well, and you do it for college. I mean, think yeah, about it. exactly for college, but yet we don't do it enough for what's before college. So high school and junior high and even elementary school where you have private and Montessori. And like you said, there are choices and options out there. But I think because of the way we're, I guess, structured when we think about education, we think of it this certain way. And the funny thing is, is once you get to college, well, guess what? You go on what? A college tour. You pick yeah. whatever, four, five, six. You may travel to another state. Why? Because you're trying to find the place that's going to be the best fit for you. Guess what? That should start a little bit earlier, right? Probably. Um, I think that would definitely be something that most people I've talked to have been, would be um, supportive of. And I've, you know, I've done college tours along this drive. That's uh, if I'm in the if I'm in the area, why not? Yeah, uh, has been my my idea. And so. Um, yeah, you're right. Just giving people more choice when it comes to that is, is an important thing because people definitely are not satisfied. All right. So our guest is Mitchell Euchre, and it's uh, Listening Across America, a project that he's put together. Uh, he's traveled for about a month. He's closing in on 7,000 miles. He funded this whole thing himself. He is a senior at Christian Brothers High School. Yes, he did attend St. Michael's uh, Episcopal Day School uh, up until fifth grade. And that's where we kind of came across each other. But I heard about the story and I'm like, I got to get them on. I, like, this is such a great story. And so you mentioned, you know, a couple of the conversations. What were some other conversations that stuck out, whether it be individuals or parts of the country uh, that you were able to stop by? Um, an interesting sort of uh, difference throughout the country was how open people were to the interviews themselves. Like I said, most people have been pretty friendly to it. Most of the time, if I put up a sign for an hour, I'll get at least two. I'll probably get two interviews. Um, that's just the and reality. They, they come up to you, right? They come up to you and maybe introduce themselves. Yes, very yeah. frequently. And um, obviously, it depends how busy the area I'm in and stuff like that. But right. there have been differences in how friendly people are, uh, or not how friendly people are, but how willing they are to talk. Uh, I thought coming into this that college campuses would be a great place. A lot of college kids want to get their voice out there. You know, you think about things like protests and demonstrations, they're always at college campuses, college yeah. campuses. So I set up at the University of Minnesota in St. Paul. I set up a sign and I sat there for probably 45 minutes. And I pro probably had about, I don't know, about one person a minute walk by. It was a fairly quiet day, but probably about 50 people walked by the whole time I was there. Not one person really wanted to interview. I had like one or two yes. people ask me about the project. Usually it starts with, oh, what is this? Asking clarifying questions. And then once they've asked a clarifying question, the odds are pretty good they're going to interview. But um, people just were not very nice. And so then the next day, I'm, or two days later, I'm, I'm driving across Wisconsin and I stop at this uh, little diner and I just mentioned to the waitress, hey, I'm doing this project. Like I have these cards. So I, I handed her one of the cards and said, hey, I'm doing this project. Here's oh, my perfect. card. Yeah. And, um, and immediately she starts saying, oh, can I pass more of the cards out? And she's talking to all these people and she's trying to get it involved. And before I know it, there's almost a line. Like it's all of a sudden I've only traveled about I don't know, 60 miles between the two, I guess. Yeah. And the willingness to participate in the conversation completely changed. So that was a really interesting one. Um, and then there, of course, there's individual interviews that stick out just because 
there are people who from really, really interesting uh, perspectives. All right. Can you hit yeah. some of those people? Like just name a few names and what their, uh, um, what their deal was. Shout out to Rorick, Rorick in uh, Billings, Montana, because he um, was really interesting. I met him in a coffee shop in downtown Billings. He had previously lived in Minnesota and then sold almost all of his possessions, uh, pretty much gave it all away to charity and decided to live out of a, a mobile home RV um, near the river in, in Billings. And he gave a really interesting perspective about copyright law um, and kind of how copyright law needs reform in order to you know, foster more free speech and for um, more ideas to get out there. So that was really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had another one in New York with a guy who wanted to remain, remain anonymous. That happens sometimes. And I sure. of course respect yeah. that. Yep. Um, and he gave an interesting perspective about trusting media. He said, you know, what you, what you read on the news is a product, you're a customer. You are not um, someone they're taking care of. You're someone they're trying to make money off of. So that was interesting. And of course it's true. And, um, you know, at the end he goes, oh yeah, yeah. And that was nice. So, oh, so what do you do for a living? Because he didn't answer that in the, in the questions. And usually I ask that. He said, oh, I'm a genetic data researcher at Harvard. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just, I'm talking to this guy in Washington Square Park in New York, like totally normal guy, completely nice. And just all of a sudden he's like, whoa, this is a really crazy job. Yeah. So um, it's been stuff like that that is, has definitely stuck out along the way. It's so cool. And and that's the thing too, is that like, it's an honor to the journey. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you could, you could have a takeaway like, oh man, what's wrong with Minnesota? That's not the case. It, it, you know, you no, just no, I had know. other interviews there. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. Cause that's yeah. the thing is you don't know what exactly is going on. It, it gives you a perspective and stuff. But then, like you said, you go 60 miles down the road, you're in Wisconsin and all of a sudden it, you know, it's a waitress or, you know, someone works there that like, yeah, this is, they're open to it. And then you get this she, long line of people. That waitress actually tried to get on the phone to call the former um, Miss Sparta, the woman who won the the beauty badge in the city to come do it. And I said, you know, it's an only an audio, right? Small town, small town. <laughs> um, it was just funny. Yeah. Okay. So you have all these recordings. So I know people, including myself are like, okay, what do you do with all this? What, what is your plan when you get back? What do you, what do you want to do with it? So right now I'm still in the stage of just gathering, 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 gathering. And I think what I set out to do from the start was to see what the information looked like. And if there were specific topics, it was organized around, maybe I could release it into one specific topic and one and another and another. Um, I didn't just want to kind of throw it all out as individual interviews because they're long. Not all of them are, um, a lot of them are filled with, you know, ums and fillers. I don't like editing people, but, um, not all of it is content that I really, um, want to release. And so organizing it will probably be now with the interviews I have, um, in a few different episodes because focused on different things or different areas because, um, and I just, I didn't know what it was going to be before I left because I didn't know how many I was going to get. Right. And I didn't know what people were going to say. So I'm still in the stage of just listening. I don't know exactly what it will look like when I get back. And what are you um, using really to record? It. Like what's your recording device? Uh, so like I said, budget is a factor. Yep. Um, but I use these small um, microphones from nice. Slint. Yeah, they Slint. work very well. Um, they're, you know, they're not the fanciest ones in the world, but they have absolutely gotten the job done. They're just little um, lear mics you clip on 
and uh, record it all plugged straight into my iPad. Works great. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Hey, budget, like you said, budget is definitely key. You want to make sure that uh, you stay within the money that you have. And so uh, as far as social media, maybe you can share that with people and how they can kind of follow this journey. I know you're on Instagram and also on Facebook. Yeah. So Instagram and Facebook at listening across America. Um, so I post updates about the, the trip mostly. So I'll post stuff about interviews I've done recently or um, the place that I'm in, how, um, you know, like what, what it's like here. Um, a lot of pictures I've gotten, um, strange compliments on the photography involved. Um, my mom said that her friend texted her and said, can Mitchell take pictures for me? I'm like, okay. Uh, (laughs) but, um, it's just updates on the trip. It's just, uh, and people find it interesting. So I post on Facebook and Instagram, um, roughly every other day with updates as to where I am and what I'm doing. And, um, yeah. Okay. Listening across America. Yeah, love it. And then lastly, and we'll put that in the show notes as well, but lastly, uh, for you regarding this trip, what were some of the places that maybe you were excited to see and stop in and some that, again, caught you by surprise type of deal? So outside the interviews, just locations that maybe you had not been to that were pretty exciting. Um, one, obviously, there were a lot of places that are expecting to be excited for. Um, Yellowstone, especially, uh, is beautiful, spectacular. Um, but that's expected. Yeah. Uh, and you know, going to New York was awesome. Um, I mean, it really is the concrete jungle. It's it's a really incredible city. And so, okay, to see so that here's was great. what. I, okay, so here's why I need to ask. Based on everything that has happened with COVID and what we have heard in the news and the media, the vision in my mind is like, you know, there's nobody on the streets. You know, people are just like, you know, there's, there's crime going on. It's like a scene out of Batman. You're probably going to tell me that's not the case. I would say that that is definitely not, it's definitely not to that extreme. Okay. Um, (laughs) That's for sure. So I'm, I'm obviously not a New Yorker. I don't live there. I don't know what it was totally like before, but um, the city's not dead by any means. Got it. Uh, People are still out. People are still having fun. People are still smiling. Life there's still life happening in New York. It's still New York. It's still fun. And I don't know if it's decreased um, prior to COVID probably has somewhat, but um, you know, if if someone's on the news saying that New York is just a ghost town now, that that's completely, completely untrue. I'm telling you there's stuff out there, man. So that's good to know because you were there, you were right up front. You saw it for yourself. Okay. So New York, anything else that stuck out to you? Yeah, some places that definitely surprised me, caught me off guard. Um, so North Dakota, um, not exactly a tourist destination, not exactly somewhere people think of as, um, I mean, it's, it's totally flyover country to most people. Yeah. And Fargo, North Dakota was one of the coolest towns I've been to on this entire journey. Nice. Um, the whole town is, I was there on, a, I think, a Thursday. It shouldn't be super busy, but People were out in the street. People were having a good time. It's a college town with uh, North Dakota State there. Yep. And people were really friendly. People were really nice. And it was just a really fun, also beautiful place. Yeah. Um, so Fargo, North Dakota, definitely somewhere um, to compliment. Um, let's see. Any other ones? Um, Nashville. I'd never been, like I said, I'd never been through the South. And, I, you know, people, people really like Nashville, but... Um, I loved it there. Oh, Lexington, Virginia, small town as well. Really, really awesome town. Um, beautiful old buildings, a lot of history there and a great little spot. And then Salisaw, Oklahoma. 
Nice. So that, that's okay. the list so far. <laughs> well, and that's the big thing too, is you mentioned that like you got to see family lineage, lineage with, you know, you, you have Cherokee background, like that had to be pretty powerful for you to be able to experience that. Yeah, it definitely was, especially with my grandma. So she was born there and she um, lived there for quite a while as a kid. And to go back, you know, there's this big controversy now with uh, the um, Indian schools in Canada and how they're going to these old schools that used to be run partially through the church, partially through the government that had some really, really nasty atrocities happen there. Um, really bad mistreatment. And to go to one of those schools, because we had them in America as well, but they're kind of uncovering in Canada, to go to the one that um, my grandma's mother went to wow. was a was a powerful experience for sure. Um, and there were there was all sorts of stuff like that in the town. But even a, apart from the heritage, South Oklahoma is a really friendly, nice little town. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a powerful feeling. It was somewhat emotional. Um, and somewhat, it, it was, it was incredible. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. 16 year old Mitchell Euchre. He'll be 17 here very soon. High school senior at Christian brothers high school in Sacramento, listening across America. We got the full details there and we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get those huge takeaways. Like how has Mitchell been changed because of this experience and now going into a senior year, which then leads into, I have not gotten a voice from the young people on what COVID was like for them, right? Like what did they experience during the pandemic and what were their takeaways? We're going to get that from Mitchell. You can see he's very insightful with what he has to say. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. A big thank you to our sponsors, starting with Matt, the mortgage guy, Little Whale Swim School, Pit Boss Jerky, R5 Stitch and Print, and our title sponsor, House Real Estate, led by Tim Collum. We'll be back right after this. Matt the Mortgage Guy becomes the fifth sponsor on Experience the Buzz. Matt Gouget is a local mortgage broker who is doing business all over California. The good news, he is born and raised right here in the capital city. He knows Sacramento. Matt and his team pride themselves on finding the best loan for your specific needs. How do I know? Well, I'm a satisfied customer. My wife, Chris, and I were able to complete a refinance on our home this year. High endorsement for sure. Best way to connect is through email. Here you go. It's Matt at MattTheMortgageGuy.com. And you can check out Matt on YouTube by searching Matt the Mortgage Guy, another local business to showcase on Experience the Buzz. R5 Stitch and Print is available for all your screen printing needs. Owners Troy and Jamie Rousey are ready to help local businesses as well as schools, sport leagues, and organizations. They deal with logos, banners, apparel, embroidery, you name it. In fact, I became a customer myself with the Experience the Buzz snapback hats, and guess what? I love them. Thank you, Troy and Jamie. Find them on Facebook under R5 Stitch. Thank you, R5 Stitch and Print, a proud sponsor of Experience the Buzz. Pit Boss Jerky is the official beef jerky of Experience the Buzz. Pit Boss Joe Green supplies me with an assortment of his 11 different flavors, and here they are. Pit Boss Perfection, Sweet Summer, Honey Gold, Sweet and Smoky, Little Heat, Big Heat, Herb and Smoke, Pepper Garlic, and how about this? Joe has a keto mix available, as well as his newest flavor, Island Teriyaki, and my personal favorite, Raspberry Apple Chipotle. New website coming soon, but if you need it now, get on the order board by contacting Joe directly at 
769-6807. Hands down, the best beef jerky I have ever had. PBJ, Pit Boss Jerky. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode of Experience the Buzz by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. It means everything. Now, back to the show. Welcome back in. We are here. It is Experience the Buzz. It is episode number 51. And we are so happy to have the young man, Mitchell Euchre, listening across America. Uh, He is really... You know, just giving us the details of this incredible trip, which again, 7,000 miles when it's all said and done, totally funded by himself. He's traveled with his dad, his mom, grandmother, grandfather. He's gone to 25 different states. And now he has all these interviews with people, which still he's not sure exactly what he's going to do. But, you know, it's interesting, Mitchell, you say that. And I say, you know what, no matter what you decide to do with it, you just had an experience that even if it doesn't get out, it's yours. Like, and, and, and that's really cool. And so you've got to be really proud of that. And uh, I know you talked about some of the takeaways, but really, as you sit here at the tail end, you're sitting in Flagstaff, Arizona right now. Um, the person you were going into that trip and the person you believe you are now because of that trip, what's that look like? Um, I sort of prided myself before on not judging places right away. on not judging people right away. Um, definitely trying not to read a book by its cover as we all try to do, but we all still do. Um, and so I think I've become less, even I think I've become less so of that less judgmental of people, um, where they're from obviously, or, um, who they are immediately, who they seem like at first, because when you ask them these questions and their ideas can be very profound, it's, um, it just sort of changes your, idea of, of these judgments that we all make on immediate appearance, but aren't really accurate. Um, and so I'd say I've definitely become less judgmental and more, uh, appreciative because, you know, it's, we live in a beautiful country. Um, we live in a place, both beauty, beautiful, naturally, I mean, just incredible, incredible views, but also, um, beautiful in the fact that our diversity, whether it be through any means, um, socioeconomic, but really just the diversity of perspectives, the completely different lives that people can live within one country under so, one you know, flag is really, um, I've come to appreciate it because it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Kind of makes you proud to be an American. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Okay. So as we transition here, we had mentioned going into the break that, uh, I had never gotten a perspective uh, from someone as young as you, someone who's right in the heart of your high school career. Now, the beauty is, is that you're going into your senior year. And so, you know, just tell people like for right now, like, first of all, what's your senior year look like going in? What are they telling you right now? Because as we know, there's kind of this surge going on. And so I don't know if there's too much uncertainty, but what do you know going into this school year as a senior? Um, so what I know right now is that I'll be having classes in person on first day of school and, uh, that's gotta be exciting. That's gotta be exciting. It's yeah, it is exciting. Um, I got to go back in person a little bit last spring. Um, not in a full capacity. It was an an option for students and a lot of people chose to be online, but right now, Christian brothers, as I understand it is completely in person. Um, and our schedule has been shifted slightly. Um, there's been some adjustments, obviously there's adjustments when it comes to being physically on campus. Um, but 
the, I will get to have class in person. I'm very excited um, that they'll be in person and not online. Although, you know, school is school. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But there's, but see, there's power to it. Like, you know, we're talking about education, but there's mm-hmm. another component too, of just being together. Yeah. That's very powerful, especially in high school, because those bonds that you create with those people that are in your class are so ultra important at that point of your life. And so that's why it's good to see. So let's rewind back to March, which would put you, you know, in 2019, which would put you like at the end of your sophomore year, you know, just yeah. maybe in a nutshell, kind of take me through it. What was it like for you? Uh, I had a really, really hard time at first. Um, there was sort of a, a two week span there where school wasn't even online yet, where the world completely stopped. And then we had to keep it going again. Um, obviously very modified, but when the world completely stopped, um, that was a surreal experience for everyone, uh, especially kids, because it's like, what if the whole world that I grew up learning to understand is now not here. Um, but because we're still, I'm still in the stage of learning to understand what's around me. And what if it all changes, like starting over. Um, but that was a, an interesting one at first, but then when school started going back, I had a really hard time. Um, I was always a kid who talked a lot during class. I was always a kid who didn't pay, um, a ton of attention as you might be oh, able come to, on, Mitchell. <laughs> no, I, I, I do what I need to do, but I, um, I get distracted very easily and going online at first was really, really difficult. Um, the second half of my sophomore year, I, I mean, I did poorly in my classes uh, compared to what I had been doing previously. Yeah. Um, it was really difficult both um, academically and socially, um, until kind of the summer rolled around and you were able to see people outside and started, you know, when it was really, really shut down for those, I don't know, from roughly March, March to June. Yeah. I did not do well. (laughs) And that's the thing is I I think you represent a a, a lot of kids that, that I I think roughly half. Yeah. Without a doubt, because there's people that if you're the A type, you can excel in those situations and adjust and do what you need to do. But for many kids that are going through, like you were a sophomore, that's a tough time, you know? And then to go online, knowing that you don't have to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to go online. Like, yeah, you may get in trouble for it. It's just kind of one of those weird things. It reminded me of college. And I remember my first experience in college where you set up your classes, you're independent, and then you get a class and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to go to class today. And you just made that decision. And not that you could do that fully, but with online classes, it feels like it forced a lot of kids like yourself into that situation. Yeah, there was a little bit of that when it came to just prioritizing my classes far less because it was no longer like if I didn't have my homework as a teacher looking me in the face. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's just a little red X on something, you know, and that doesn't, that, that's not something that really impacted me at first. I had to learn to kind of let that, um, really affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by, by the second half of my junior year, I was doing pretty well with the online stuff. Um, but it was an adjustment. And I guess the, um, the other thing is I just, I wasn't retaining information well, like I wasn't learning. I was just doing, and there's a big difference between completing a homework assignment and checking a box and getting a decent grade, which a lot of kids can do just fine. But I didn't go to, I never was a kid who went to school just to get the teacher's, you know, green check mark. Uh, I wanted to learn. And so, and that's obviously why I'm doing something like this. And it was really, really difficult to actually learn while online. 
Well, and then think about like what you just did, this experience, like Mm -hmm. how could you not learn? Like, this is the best way to learn. And I think that ties into the education piece where there needs to be more stuff like this. If kids could do what you just did, imagine how powerful that would be for each individual to be able to have that perspective and take that away and, and move on in life. Like that's that to me, there's no grade on that. See, that's just priceless. Absolutely. Um, and I think if more people could have similar experiences where you talk to other people from totally different backgrounds than you, it just creates a more cohesive and a more accepting world. And so, like I said, I did part of it with my grandpa and he is a total Bay Area guy. He's not used to the Southern accent. He's not used to sort of the, I mean, we, it was a little uncomfortable at times to still see the Confederate colors, like to see something like that for him and me as Northern California people was just a little bit, um, it was uncomfortable. And so to go in and experience it and, um, just be in these places where, uh, you know, it's foreign to us. And so to be in those places really made me more accepting and okay with, um, just a different, different way of going about it. Yeah. So as a human being, you definitely have grown in big ways. Uh, academically, you just said you were able to make that adjustment. Obviously things probably went much smoother for you in your junior year. You'll have the opportunity to go back in person as a senior, which is really exciting. Um, what, you know, cause I, I continue with the theme that it was my worst year, but it was also my best year. Like you have that chance to really have perspective for yourself. So what did it do for you? Like, what were some of those big ideas during those downtimes when you were at home that you were able to take away? A lot of people talk about family and family time, but for you individually, what were some things you were able to pull away from, I'll say, the COVID experience? Um, I think it allowed me to dive more into my interests. So like I said before, my interests have always been in government, politics, and history, and sort of the way that we interact with our uh, government, with people in power. And so to really dive into that a little more and see how there were really serious problems with that, you know, whether it be um, my own governor being recalled or, you know, a presidential election or violent reactions to the presidential election, Um, anything like that. And just diving in and understanding those really was a good experience for me in that I got to expand upon the things that I really like learning about. Um, So that was the big positive takeaway from COVID was that I got to learn more about the things that I wanted to because I had a little bit more time. And then the, and that really was what inspired this. I don't think I'd be doing this if COVID didn't happen because um, it made me, COVID was uh, a very good example of um, hearing two sides. It, it, when COVID first happened, it seemed like something everyone could rally around. It seemed like this is dangerous. This is bad. We should all be in the same boat because we're all in an equally terrible situation. And it just made us more divided than we'd ever been. Well, it made us more, I don't like saying that, but it just made us um, more partisan. Yeah. And so, and so um, I wanted to move past that. I wanted to see what wasn't just on the news and what wasn't just kind of put out there and actually talk to people. So if COVID didn't happen, I would not have had the same motivation for this project for sure. All right. See, there you have it. And, and that's, that's what I was looking for is like, you know, like, yeah, you would not have done this opportunity at something not giving you the time. We keep talking about how COVID uh, was in essence, a big pause button for all of us, because you, that was the one thing, like you said, no matter what, we were all in the same boat. 
Like no yeah. one was up here. No one was down here or in between. We were all in the same boat. And so that's the thing. Like my big pull away too was, you know what? I have no right to complain because if I can complain, I can name about a million people whose situation is a lot worse than mine. You know what I'm saying? It's like absolutely that gratefulness and that thankfulness for really being you know, able to look around and realize what you do have and that like the bad things are really not that bad and we can get past them. Yeah. Yeah. Good Absolutely. stuff. Okay. Well, um, you know, I want to finish off this way. Usually we do a rapid fire and usually my first question would be, is like, what's your first paying job? So I guess my question to you would be, what was your job that helped you raise the money to be able to do this project? Uh, Matone restaurant on 58th and Folsom. Shout out. Sacramento. Shout out to Matone restaurant. Um, shout out to uh, Mr. Jun Chang, the owner, for hiring me. Knowing that I would only be able to work for a certain amount of time, I told him about the project in advance, and he still brought me on. And that was really where most of the money came for for this um, was working uh, as many hours as I physically could as a busser at Matona. That's so, great. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Okay. I have to get an update on Tommy. Tommy is how old now? This is uh, Mitchell's younger brother. Tommy's 14. He's going to Kit Carson Middle School right now. Nice. Um, and well, he'll be going there next year. And um, yeah, he's good. He's That's he's great. doing well. He uh, I have not seen him since I started this trip. I've seen both my parents, but not him. And so uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him. That's good. You guys have a great relationship. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Tommy was a couple years. I remember at St. Michael's, it was always fun doing a little PE with him in preschool on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Here comes Tommy. Yeah. He would always give me a hug. That was, that was his big thing. Love. He does it for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a funny thing. So this is Sacramento for you. I absolutely love this small world. Uh, going into the break, I'm mentioning House Real Estate as our title sponsor. And of course, House Real Estate is led by Tim Collum. Uh, he has built an incredible team. Um, and then Mitchell, you said what? So I actually live in Tim Collins' former house, um, which is just funny enough that he's a, a realtor and that it, yes. the guy you mentioned, I, I live in his old house, but uh, yeah, um, I do. <laughs> that is what so used to crazy. be, what used to be his office is now my bedroom. So that is incredible. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Okay. So a little small town feel for you. All right. So music wise, um, you know, either, I mean, has a Mitchell Euchre been to a concert yet? Yes. Okay. So what was your first concert? My first concert? Uh, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Okay. Uh-huh. Golden In one the Sack Town? Yeah. Golden One Center. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Solid. I would imagine that was pretty good. Yes. He's an incredible entertainer. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. And do you have a favorite? Is it Bruno Mars or is it another one? Um. I think it's between Bruno Mars. Uh, ooh, I saw Eric Church in Tahoe. That one was very good as okay. well. Nice. Uh, I listened to a, I listened to a lot of stuff, and then I saw Travis Scott at Golden One Center as well. Wow, and that's I really an, like that's an array of different. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think I think Travis Scott would have to be the favorite one so far. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I remember that was a really popular one too. A lot of people were talking about that concert. And the final one is Benj because during COVID we watched a lot of TV. I know I did. Did you, Mitchell? What was your favorite binge on TV? I had never watched Breaking Bad prior to TV. There you go, brother. Um, and I love, I loved it. So um, Breaking Bad was a Breaking Bad was a big one, and then classic movies. I got on a big kick of old school movies, mostly suggestions from my grandpa, and um, so I found a few favorites in there. 
Yeah. All right. That is so cool. Okay. So before we leave, I want to give you the last word again, talk about what the project is, how people can find out about it. And then, uh, you know, yeah, just kind of wrap it up with a bow. Okay. So uh, listening across America is a listening tour and audio, pro- an audio project that I started um, by driving from Sacramento to New York city and interviewing people along the way, asking them if they feel represented or heard in America today and um, what are issues that they feel like aren't addressed or that they want to talk about. And so by asking very open-ended questions, I get very, very different responses. And I sort of get the wide range of perspectives and ideas that are in America today. And so the I'm almost done. It's a 7,000-mile trip, and I'm about 6,000 down. And it's been a wonderful journey. And at Listening Across America on both Instagram and Facebook, I encourage people to follow for updates along the trip and for future um, release of interviews. And thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Mitchell, would you have ever thought that we would be doing this? No, I definitely didn't see a Zoom call from Flagstaff, Arizona to my former PE teacher. So yeah. (laughs) Absolutely crazy, but so, so good. And I want to thank you because you know what, Uh, just listening to you, I like, I feel better. Like I feel better. And I hope more people as they listen to this, whether young, older, in between, really understand that there there are more like you that really care about our country and really are willing to do things to really get that perspective so that you can realize that as you look around there's some good stuff in this world you know and so thank you for providing that uh today was very special thank you for the time thank you all right right. there you go that's all i got for now talk to you next time goodbye everyone Thank you for joining Steve this week on Experience the Buzz. Steve would love to hear from you. Leave a review or contact Steve directly with any questions at scbuzzard at gmail.com. To see the other adventures of Steve Buzzard, be sure to visit buzzardball.com.